Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It can travel anywhere in time and space. Right. This is going to be fun. Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. Double duty there. Uh, It's a burden I would carry. Fun stuff. So what have we done this week, my love? Uh, Well, last week, this week... Last week, last week, uh, we went it's to... It's Monday, so... Yeah, it all comes together. But last <laughs> week, we uh, went to uh, the movie theater to see <laughs> Doctor Who, of course. Uh, yes. Of course, we're very excited to talk about the second episode, but if we can go back in time to episode one for just a moment, which we covered last week with Sue, um, but we got to see it on the big screen. We got to see some featurettes, all that wonderful stuff. And, you know, we watched it on BBC America when it first aired, which... In retrospect, it was a mistake. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, but what did you think of seeing it on the big screen? Well, I think first we should talk about the Cheetos popcorn combination. Well, you did get, yeah, you did experiment with Cheetos popcorn at the movie theater. It is not something I will do again. Okay. But uh, so, yes, what did I think of it on the big screen? I saw, obviously, much more. I mean, my, my watching of it was more focused. Obviously, it was huge on the big screen. And commercial-free. And commercial-free, <laughs> very much so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there are bits and pieces. Like, we talked last week, and I didn't remember that the guy kept shaking teeth out of everybody. And, mm-hmm. and I definitely picked up on it that time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, there were definitely places that I thought were, again, watching BBC America when there were a million commercials, and I swear there was one scene that I saw twice on BBC America where it wasn't there on the actual sort of the feature version there. But I, I mean, obviously it's just much cleaner when there's no commercials. Um, episode two, which we'll talk about, we watched record or, you know, we both watched recorded, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So when we could fast forward the commercials, much better experience. Really. Yes. Well, and also because uh, Great Britain has fewer commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. So when we get it in America, the commercial breaks are sometimes really weird because the show itself hasn't been had those built in kind of things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it can get a little bit choppy. And then we I forget what time it started. Seven thirty. Is that when? Yeah, that sounds right. And so there was sort of some nice featurettes at the beginning and the end. Though I have to admit, I was kind of tired at the end. So I was kind of like, okay. Oh, good. I was too. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was, I, it was interesting though, because they sort of had some beginning featurettes, which were small with Jody uh, and everyone else. And at the end, they had some longer ones talking about the episodes, the director who's going to be directing a bunch of episodes of the series. Um, who did the, I think he did the promo, one of the promo um, things as well. But anyway, but yeah, I was, I was like, okay, wrap it up. But well, I think the coolest part of the featurettes, and they talked about a lot, we won't talk about everything, was when Jody explained her earring. Because mm. I haven't really gotten a good look at it, to tell you the truth, but now that she's explained it, now I see it. Where for those who haven't heard the explanation yet, so there's two points. There's the top part in her ear, which is sort of like a star field, 
like it's silver, I think. There's this, I think there's a gold star and a silver star, isn't there? Okay. Or is it? No, you might be silver. right. Just be and then the star. chain comes down and there's sort of two hands. And one is the silver hand, which is supposed to be her, or the doctor's hand coming from the stars. And then the golden or whatever hand is supposed to be humanity, of course. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Because now that I, she's explained it, now that I see it, now I notice it more. Yes. Because um, yeah. it looked like, first I thought like a bunch of earrings or whatever, but now that I, it all makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Also, the director seems really young. Is that yeah. the case or are we just really old? <laughs> I think point? we're just really old. Uh, yeah, well, so speaking in of, of bringing in some youngness, uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> episode two, The Ghost Monument, series 11, episode two, premiered October 14th, 2018. But before we begin our synopsis, let's bring in our wonderful guest, and that's Michelle. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Yes, welcome. Yes. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Johnny, you want to read the synopsis, and then we'll plunge into it? I'm dying to read the synopsis. Here we go. Stranded on an alien planet, infamously called Desolation, can the doctor find her way to the TARDIS as she promised her new friends? Will her newest company be of any help when they're also racing against each other? And what exactly is the ghost monument? It's the TARDIS. It's the TARDIS. It's, spoilers. I know. <laughs> Darling. <laughs> but, Michelle, I know you've just finished watching it again. So what are your, what are your just initial thoughts about the Ghost Monument episode dose. I liked it a lot. The first one, I thought it was very solid, it, but it, you know, like I listened to your first episode or your synopsis of the first episode. And like you said, it had to do a lot of exposition. So it was definitely more for introducing the characters. But the second one, I actually liked the story a lot better. Mm-hmm. We got mm-hmm. a new planet, some new side characters, um, new villain too, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. New alien planet. Don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. Don't yes. drink the water. Don't drink the water. <laughs> and for God's it. sake, do not look sideways at that scarf thingy because it will come for you. <laughs> well, darling, what did you think of episode two, the sophomore? Episode? Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it as well. It had a nice balance for me because I'm not as much of a science fiction. So when they do a lot of the science fiction episodes, but this had enough fantasy in it that I was still... Uh, really intrigued by the whole thing and i loved the 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 basic you know the race and all of that stuff the rally, the rally yeah that was interesting yeah i think one having watched it twice i i did like it it did st- kind of strike me as sort of they're still introducing which i mean makes sense but i'm sort of like we can go a little faster now like learn a little bit more about it almost seems like it's sort of like part two of you know it's sort of this two hour long premiere this is sort of the second hour because they're sort of still just feeling each other out and i know it's only the second episode but it's sort of like okay let's a little bit forward a little more you know because like yeah it doesn't get a lot to do really i mean we learn a little bit more about her family and then but i don't know i I guess i I, with doctor who as opposed to other things i don't try to put a lot of expectations on doctor who you know i just enjoy its entertainment I mean, I really like it, of course. That's why I do a podcast about it. But, you know, so that's why I was like, oh, yeah. Cause the, the doctor still feels like she's feeling herself out. And I guess that's fair, maybe. But Yeah. And you're right. But I think that that's one of the difficulties, one of the challenges, maybe, with having three companions and the doctor and, of course, side characters. Your People are going to end up being left out a little bit in order to, to give fully fleshed out piece sometimes so 
I think it is a a challenge for the writers. Agreed. I don't think we got to see much of Yaz yet mm-hmm. in either episode, and I'm interested in seeing where she goes and what she does more. Yeah. Yeah, and exploring the relationship that she has with Ryan in terms of you know childhood friends. She has the moment in the first episode where she's like, "Hi, Ryan's Nan." So <laughs> you know they were clearly they knew each other well enough to have you know for her to be able to say something like that so then where where did they drift and and things like that what's a very sweet moment between them when he's coming down from the ladder because he has trouble with ladders where she's waiting mm-hmm. and he says thank you for waiting and she responds always and that's yeah. like a very good supportive friend thing to do yes which then lends itself to so what happened and yeah, that's maybe a, that'll flesh out some more. I mean, that's what I, I was. I don't know. <clears throat> I hope it stays a friendship. I don't. I agree. I agree. I don't want it to be a romantic thing necessarily, but I, you know, I think there's more to it to the relationship that is yet to come. Yeah. Oh. Cool. Yeah. Well, since she doesn't have a lot, let's just give her a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah Michelle. What's, what did you sort of think of Yaz in this episode and previously, and, and what are you hoping to see with her? She does seem like somebody who very much needs rules and logic to apply. I don't know if she's going to be like the skeptic or the one who gets confused all the time. I think that's more, oh, what's the granddad's name? Graham? Graham, yeah. <laughs> Bradley yeah. Walsh. <laughs> Bradley Walsh. I like her so far. I think it's kind of cool to have a cop as a companion. Has that mm. happened before? I haven't watched any oh, classic who, so yeah. I'm not sure. Um, I have to do like 55 years in my head. Um, <laughs> Think fast. Not, not off the top of my head. Um, wasn't the, wasn't Grandpa, wasn't Donna's Grandpa in the Peter Cushing film? <laughs> well, we're really stretching at that point. I understand. And we <laughs> yes, agreed never to mention it before, but yeah, yes, that's, in that's, a Peter, in the second Peter Cushing film. Which doesn't count. Which doesn't count and doesn't really exist. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, because like. We were listening to another podcast. You know, it's like like the old days. And you would be like, on another network. No, we were listening to Verity Podcast. It's a great Doctor Who podcast. People should listen to mm. it. Um, but they were talking about how uh, uh, the guy who plays uh, Andy in Torchwood was tweeting like, how come the cop, how come the cop got in the TARDIS so fast? Because yeah, yes. <laughs> he didn't get to do that in Torchwood. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I mean, Michelle, just to spotlight you. So, like, we haven't sort of gone through your in history kind of what where's your where are you coming from in the doctor who fandom um as you sit down to watch the 13th doctor i guess i'm pretty new to it i didn't start watching until mm, maybe the first season of matt smith's was done so mm. but i did start at the beginning of the 2005 the new who mm-hmm. um generally really like it i didn't enjoy the later Matt Smith and early Peter Capaldi as much, but it did get better, and I'm optimistic about the new Doctor and Jodie Whittaker. So the Clara so era did not do it for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like. I, I, I was hearing that too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that's one thing about this series that I'm always interested in, because, you know, we're getting, hopefully, a lot of new fans. I mean, judging from the, like, 10 million people who watched it, which is one of the highest premiere Doctor Who, I think, or at least one of them. You know, obviously, Yay. now will they stay? I don't know. I haven't seen episode two. But anyway, but going on to episode two, also, so we, we talked about, yeah, so let's talk about Graham and Ryan. I think it's, again, interesting that they have this familial relationship, whether, you know, forced or, or not. But Jessica, how do you think that uh, 
Grandpa and, and Ryan are doing? <laughs> well, I think Graham's pushing a little bit. Uh, when he had that moment of, you know, oh, you're still not going to call me grandpa. No, no, especially not now that grandma's dead, you know. But uh, but it was a nice moment of coming together. They got a chance to talk about Ryan's nan and then fix things, which is so often how men, do it. How men bond. Um, <laughs> you can tell us more about that, darling. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, I am finding Graham really interesting because he's very I don't know it's not even tropish but he's you know he's an older gentleman and I mean it's not that old but he's an older gentleman but he is sort of modern grandpa in that he cares about Ryan and he wants to talk about what's happened and Ryan doesn't you know for mm. many reasons but but you know he's sort of like and then you know making sort of jokes you know about like what what grace would say and, and everything and he i mean he's very tender i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah even though you know endearing. even though the trope is he's supposed to be like the blue collar bus driver but like you know but he's the one who wants to talk about and he rocked a pair of audrey hepburn's glasses <laughs> or pythagoras's yeah what are you thinking about the, the two the two men what are you thinking about that michelle i like it a lot i think it's a different kind of male relationship than we typically see in doctor who you've got men talking about their feelings and kind of working out their relationship and what they mean to each other and sort of a non-toxic masculinity if you will i don't know mm. yeah and have there been two male companions oh my god well i mean of course there haven't been many companions like in other words you know i'm trying to say multiple companions at the same time yes yeah and so like you know i'm thinking of you know the fifth doctor always comes to mind when you had um adric uh tegan and nissa mm. of course two women and then adric died spoilers um and then turlo eventually came along but again it was just turlo and so two men is is well other you know of course the doctor was usually man so um <laughs> the only male companion i have any experience with is rory and he was kind of in that weird love triangle with amy and the doctor and, yeah um, yeah not my favorite <laughs> yeah so yeah so but yeah there's not often a lot of of course adult men also you know graham brings the adults older companion we haven't had any older companions if not any <laughs> yeah yeah i suppose so i hadn't thought of that but yeah, I just thought it was interesting that, that how the two of them were at the beginning of the episode when they thought it was just them. You know, they were taking things well. <laughs> like, what do I do? I don't know. Follow her, I guess. We'll... Figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. I, I wonder <laughs> if they're going to explore, because we did have that moment in the first episode where uh, Ryan's talking about he pushed the button and unleashed the uh, the stenza or whatever. Yeah. And Graham says, oh, are you going to blame that on your dyspraxia as well? Right. Um, which I found really quite sharp. Yeah, it seemed random. I wonder if we're going to see that rear its head again. Mm -hmm. So that'd be interesting. So let's talk about the doctor because it's called Doctor Who. But I just, I mean, I just thought again... I felt like in a lot of ways, you know, she's still finding herself the, uh, you know, evil paper bag tells her that she's still scared of her own newness, I believe was the quote. <laughs> yeah, it was a scarf, darling. It yeah. wasn't a paper bag. <laughs> it was something out of Harry Potter. That's all I got. <laughs> um, you know, and so she, I think we see a lot more of her, obviously, you know, um, and who she is and what this doctor is going to be like. So, um, Michelle, what are you sort of seeing from the 13th doctor this episode, both new and old and 
everything in between. So far, I like her. She's very different from Peter Capaldi's doctor. Very, mm. very different. Um, she's paying a lot more attention to interpersonal interactions. And she's like stopping and taking moments to make sure everybody's okay or to tell... Um, oh, Ryan? Ryan. Mm-hmm. Telling Ryan he's doing a good job and that... You know, it's very brave of him to keep going, even though he's scared. And yeah, I like her. She's very smart. She owns it. She knows what she's good at. Which is everything so far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> yeah. One thing, and I don't know, so y'all, y'all feel free to attack me. This is about to go into dangerous territory <laughs> with female characters. I feel like she does apologize a lot. You know, and, and I don't know whether I noticed that because she's, you know, would, would Matt Smith do the same? I think, I mean, in other words, I'm saying yes, but like, you know, it's a lot of, oh, I promised you, I'm sorry. Just like the first episode, she's like, oh, I'm sorry you had to see this. I'm sorry you had to see this death. And so she's like, you know, I'm sorry I made a promise at the end of the episode. I'm just like, okay. I mean, I get, I mean, she's being empathetic. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just like, I hope she doesn't do that every episode, you know, at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, what am I asking for that she just, you know, doesn't say sorry when she probably should when she's put these people in the harm's way, you know, purposefully or accidentally. So, yeah. But I guess well, that was something I noticed. David Tennant's 10th Doctor did that a lot, too. I don't think it's unique to just her, because he'd always say, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah, or mm-hmm. the person was about to die. <laughs> yeah, and I, f- I feel like Matt Smith did a lot, too, mm-hmm. in terms of particularly with Amy and Rory, um, you know, when he makes Rory garter for 2000 years and things like i feel like there are apologies there Mm -hmm. Um, rightfully so uh, yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely and i also feel like some of this as you say is her still trying to figure herself out um and so she's making these promises based on her thousand year history but then the newness of everything sort of smacks in and she's unsure of herself and having those moments so maybe it won't be a recurring theme and then one thing is in some ways she still seems to me to be on autopilot let me explain that in other words she's like because she's still figuring herself out she's sort of just sticking with like the basics of being the doctor so i'm like like when the first episode she was sort of just like gotta solve the mystery gotta keep people safe and this second episode there still isn't that chance to breathe because it's still like got to do the race, got to keep going. And so there's not a time to sort of get, get to know her a little bit, but she's sort of like, I got to keep people safe. Got to be smart. Guns are bad. You know, like it's sort of just this sort of, and I, I mean, it's not a criticism, but I just feel like she sort of hasn't got a chance to sort of like breathe in everything yet. She's just sort of going like, okay, mm. these are the things I know I believe in. So let me just stick with those. Although I think once she finds the TARDIS. Yeah. And and I think Calms they make a, a real conscious, <laughs> you know, slowness of things, obviously, to present the TARDIS, but also this is the, the coming together and, you know, her her speaking very softly and gently to the TARDIS, you know, I've missed you and I forgot my key and th- those moments seem to slow down a little bit as it all comes back together. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was part of it yeah i feel like we haven't really gotten to know her yet but we will mm-hmm. yeah yeah but I did, I did enjoy the you know again again if you're reintroducing you know if people are watching for the first time you know they don't know the doctor is i don't want to say pacifist because that's really not the right word for what she does but anyway um but you know it doesn't like guns at least explicitly 
And so this is sort of be like, people would be like, oh, no, of course, why wouldn't you? You know, they're sort of being the Graham and Ryan characters. Why, why wouldn't we? And then, you know, Ryan goes off playing Call of Duty and then gets his butt handed to him. And then she's like, yeah, see, that's why we don't do that. I love that scene. <laughs> yes. yeah. Brain speed bullets. That's, that's what yep. We need that on a t-shirt somewhere. Now, Michelle, as someone who has done some cosplaying before, what do you think of the 13th Doctor's look? Because the more that I, I, I see it, the more I just love it. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I'm not a gender bender cosplayer. I mean, it's great that people do. Uh, but I would just, that's, it looks so cool. What she's wearing looks super comfortable. The colors are awesome. I mean, it's a, I think it'd be cool to wear um, if you were cosplaying the Doctor. But, I feel like I could do that without having to spend a lot of money. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although I have very mixed feelings about the short trousers. Just, just as a, just from a, my fashion perspective. <laughs> well, my concern is then you have to shave your legs all the time. Uh, yes. Does the doctor have time for that? Does she care? No. Well, she's having to look. Unless she's doing it in the swimming pool in the library. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm having none of that. Though, though I like to feel like um, all the doctors have shaved their legs. We just didn't know it until now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that running. Yep. Got to be aerodynamic. Yep. I heard rumors that the, the pockets in the trousers are incredibly deep, which is fantastic. <laughs> he said something about the pockets at one point. Mm. I don't remember what. I know. She was, well, she, I mean, just the, going from the first episode with uh, Peter's pockets or you know, or the 12th Doctor's pockets, and she, she's like, ah, oh, I need to get some new pockets. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, but I am enjoying the look more and more. I think, I think she changes the shirt. Or the color spectrum of the shirt next episode. So spoilers on that oh, one. Okay. Um, there was a lot of screwdriver use this episode, maybe too much, but um, you know, whatever. Well, she kept. She was trying to get a tremendous amount of information, yeah. so I was okay with it. Yeah. And there were a lot of doors. Yeah. <laughs> I want to find out if it works on wood this time. <laughs> also, thought I was curious how she dealt with Epso. That was the male contestant because he was definitely a, a a personality you know very much don't need anyone don't trust anyone which is sort of very antithetical to the doctor's philosophy so look how big my cigar is yeah so it's just funny how much she dealt with him softly and then also was poking him you know like uh, how's that wound has it changed your entire life philosophy <laughs> well graham pokes at him as well doesn't he mm -hmm. uh you know were you born this miserable <laughs> She's like, did you practice those lines in a mirror? <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was an interesting one. So uh, The Amazing Race. Jessica, what do you think of the actual story? I really like it. It's, it's sort of The Amazing Race meets The Hunger Games because not only are they in a dangerous situation, but only one of them is going to survive. Mm -hmm. Although I saw the ending coming a mile away, but I'm not sure anybody else didn't. So, mm -hmm. Well, and it's interesting, I think, from a story writing point of view for me you know how do you make episodes so when you actually want to win we're like i mean would we i would just been like i'd throw them in the water we're still happy you know yeah so you sort of have to slightly redeem him which i mean they didn't really other than he's like i i my cigar i'm not useless in this i found him a little bit redeemable from the beginning because he's it was clear that he and the woman any idea what her name was? No. Angstrom, uh, I think. What What was it? Angstrom. I had the subtitles on Angstrom. for a while. Angstrom, okay. 
I like it, had some sort of history. So, you know, it was clear. And even even when he was being snarky with her, there seemed to be an undercurrent of... Friendly rivalry. Yeah, friendly rivalry that one of them was going to die, but there you go. Um, yeah. He was also willing to take the um, mutual win, too. Yes, yeah. A good thing. Yes. Yeah. And hopefully his heart grew five sizes that day. <laughs> Money does that, I think. Um. <laughs> now, so one thing Jessica and I were talking about both before the series started and now that we're into it, you know, Chris Chibnall has been all like, oh, these are going to be standalone episodes. These are going to be standalone episodes. And we're all like, okay, we'll see. But so we got in episode two a little uh, – sprinkling that there's an arc maybe in this story a little bit yeah we've got the stenza repeating themselves Mm -hmm. which okay i mean yeah that's it okay i'm intrigued i suppose it's a little bit coincidental but i'll i'll go with it well in other words like as first episode villains i wasn't like yeah we need to see more of that guy i was like like, okay you know we need to see more of that guy i really don't need to see more of him (laughs) just keep the mask on (laughs) we know what's under there a little bit of mystery is good in a relationship. Say, yeah. look up guy, some work, girl. Yeah. You know, um, and then we get the reference to the timeless child. Mm. Now, any, uh, I, I don't know, I, as watching that, Michelle, do, do you, any, uh, are you looking forward to there being a larger arc to the story, or were you fine with sort of going more of an episodic nature here? It depends on how they do it. Mm-hmm. I liked longer arcs in the David Tennant era with like the Ood and how that tied everything together. Mm -hmm. But then there are arcs in the Matt Smith era where it got very convoluted and I end up just being very confused and asking why a lot. Mm -hmm. So if it can do the first one or find a happy medium, I'm fine with that. If they do it well, I'm fine with it. I do like the episodic stuff too though. Yeah. Yeah. I like a few threads running through that don't involve the silence. (laughs) <laughs> I think is yeah. what I'm going with. Um, and well, I love the Ood. So, uh, well, like, in other words, a, and again, I feel like I just poop on the 12th Doctor every episode. I don't <laughs> mean to do that. But, like, the hybrid, that never made sense to me and seemed pointless, that whole storyline. Yeah. Who is it? What, and, like, in the minute, it didn't matter, really, or who it was. Like, it was just a pointless device of storytelling. Like, everything would have been fine if you had never mentioned it. Yeah, Still would have been the same. I actually don't remember that at all. Yeah, I've sort, of, I've sort of blocked a lot of. I vaguely remember, but yeah, yeah, I've blocked a lot of twelves early stuff out. I remember there was some Robin Hood. Yes. Yeah, yeah was. which was worth blocking out. I'm afraid, and <laughs> and I love me a little bit of Robin Hood, but I did not love that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it, there there is you know I don't. Well, I don't dive deep into the fandom. That's not true. But the only speculation I've seen, and I'm sure there's more out there. Some people are saying it could be a Susan reference, maybe. Ah. So the doctor's granddaughter. About, so. Um. Oh, the doctor's daughter, Jenny. Jenny, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure David would like to see Georgia get some more work. Right. Somebody <laughs> needs to support that family. Broadchurch is done now. That's right. Chris is off doing other things. Exactly. I'd heard that as a rumor. Yeah. yeah. 
The doctor had children on Gallifrey at some point too, so maybe Susan's parents. Yeah. yeah. Well, probably just one of them. Right. It's true. Otherwise, that's, that's, <laughs> that's then Susan might have been the hybrid, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's an interesting because with you know, again, not to make it the focal point, but with the doctor being a woman, it presents different relationships to the Time Lords, to her family, to all that, and so. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. You know, again, I always have to fight those things of like, much like Moffat, um, you know, who loves to play with the the world, the front of the Doctor Who world of the backstory, versus keeping a lot of it a mystery. You know, what what's the right balance? I don't know what the right balance is because I I do like it sometimes when he goes into it and we learn a little bit more about the past. But I hate to just learn the entire life story. It'd be like, this episode, we're going to learn the doctor's name. We'd be like, well, well, no, don't do that. You know, you know. so there's, there's, it's a balance. And so it'd be interesting to see what it is. But I, I hope it, you know, I hope we just don't bait this every episode, like a crack in the wall. and just be like, okay, just yeah. leave yeah. it be. And... Yeah, a little bit of plaster, fix that sucker right up. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode also did some long-awaited things, you know, speaking of teasing us. Um, in the first episode, we did not get a series intro nor a TARDIS interior, but we got both of those in episode two. So, Michelle, what did you sort of think of the opening? Quite short, I think I have to say, but what did you think of sort of the opening titles for the 13th Doctor. I guess I liked it. I didn't have too many thoughts either way. It was good. A little trippy. Yeah. It was to me, it was sort of the, and this probably is an original thought, sort of like the first, second Doctor, like sort of the original openings, but modern. In other words, sort of the the same trippiness, but how you would do trippiness in the 21st century. In color. Yeah. Yeah, For one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people have said the new theme tune kind of harkens back to the classic era. Mm. So... But yeah, I thought it was also short because, you know, there's a lot of more TARDIS tumbling and clock uh, gears and the other new Who. It's just sort of like, yeah, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was interesting that series producer actually has a credit because usually it's just the actors and the writer title. This actually has like showed, you know, the all the Doctor, the cast, and it had series producer, whoever, and then uh, So I thought it was like, oh. Yeah, you commented on that yesterday and I just thought, what a geek. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so yeah, I thought it was interesting. And then the new TARDIS interior, Michelle. What did you think of our new TARDIS? Well, exterior too, I suppose, if you want to argue it that way. But what do you yeah, think? Yeah, the sign is a little different. It's like raised or mm-hmm, yeah. I guess the text on the yeah in, call box thing. Instead of having the sort of white sign, is what yeah, is the shade of blue slightly different too? It I looked so. a little more teal than like yeah. Mm, I think it is. I think blue. it is. Yeah. So, now we're going to have to buy a whole new TARDIS, aren't yeah. we? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We'll do that in February. Yeah. One thing I thought about the inside, it's different, and I'm always, you know, different is good. A little dark mm. than I would have hoped for 13, because 13 is, you know, very, her costume's very light-colored. She presents an optimistic light, you know, and so I was like, hoping you'd be able to actually see inside of it a little bit more than what they've done, but maybe that'll change the lighting, but... Yeah, we may see more. And I do love a good custard cream. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know what to think of it. It looked kind of industrial, but then there was things that looked kind of like glowing rock formations in the middle too. So I really don't know yet. It was weird because, well, not weird. It seems to sort of echo her screwdriver. I mean, it's weird that the TARDIS would know what her screwdriver looks like (laughs) because it's based on the, what's their faces, recall. 
crystal circuit, you know, circuitry or whatever. But the, so. oh right, yes, yeah, the stenzas. Yeah, stenza. I'm not sure. I remember. Yeah, but the TARDIS knows everything. Oh, that's true. That's true. The round rules, I suppose, is what you call them. The sort of callback again. It's, there's a lot of classic callback. Yes. Yeah. I I felt the almost the inverted circle shape of it. Um, it did feel very industrial. I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about it, but as you say, the glowy things sort of soften it a little bit. It'll be interesting to see more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's sort of definitely a different look, a unique TARDIS look because mm-hmm. all of the new who consoles kind of look, I mean, of course this looks the same, I suppose, but like as the actual time engine or whatever it's called tend to look the same. This one, I like, I, it, we didn't actually see it in action. So it'd be interesting to see. And then the controls looked kind of different too. Did you catch the thing where it like popped out a cookie or something for her? That's what she was talking about. Custard cream. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. It kind of reminded me of, um, you know, the movie, the Santa Claus with Tim Allen, when they (laughs) up the sleigh and like hot cocoa and cookies come out. (laughs) Kind of reminded me of that. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. I, I could live in a place that where you, with the push of a foot button, there's your custard creams. Yeah. I, I like it. And just the, and the touch of the hourglass, the sort of spinny TARDIS. Um, and I'm sure there's more, but yeah. I liked the hourglass. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Yeah. So, I don't know what it means, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> that, let's, that's, that's how you evaluate all art, darling. That is indeed, yes. Is, but, I like <laughs> but I like it. Sure. That's what you said about me during our wedding. <laughs> I still feel that yeah. way. <laughs> To me, so final thoughts here. So to me, um, the ghost moment didn't didn't sort of hit it out of the park for me, um, but I thought it was it was good, you know, um, good character moments. Also, the the shots were, I mean, you know, in the first episode I said like, ah, oh, story was all right, but the characters. In this one, I'm like, story was all right, but the scenery because this is what mostly shot in South Africa, and just I mean, the, it's obviously great cinematic things that they were able to do. So I thought it was definitely cool. Mm, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I think the thing is, I think with all of the hype that led up to this, there was absolutely no way they were going to be able to hit it out of the park mm. to meet everyone's expectations. Um, and at the same time, everybody was going to love it even if it was terrible. <laughs> um, they may not have felt that way by the second episode, but certainly by the first. So, yeah, I've, I'm quite happy with it. Looking forward to seeing what's coming up next. There there are questions I have, but I'm excited. It's, it's just still very exciting. Cool. And what are your final thoughts, Michelle, for uh, the Ghost Monument? I liked some of the touchy-feely stuff that I that they kind of touched on a little bit and I hope become season long arcs like the, um, the people that keep going, even though they're afraid, like they mentioned the doctors, the most afraid of all of them because she has 12 lifetimes of fears and experience. (laughs) And like they mentioned how Ryan keeps going, even though he's really terrified. And then the, like everybody needs other people when they're talking to that. Well, what's that guy's name? Edzo. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I tend to notice the touchy-feely stuff more than, like, set design or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah. I like that aspect a lot. Well, and how they, how the companions, you know, when the Doctor loses her hope uh, right before the TARDIS shows up and the companions are like, nope, we're good, we're good, we're good. Yeah. We're all good. Are we all good? Yep, we're all good. <laughs> so, 
Yep. And of course the question, the big question is the ultimate arc is Ryan ever going to call him granddad? <laughs> yeah, I feel like if they keep, you know, if they keep pushing, I feel like then like the last episode of the series will be like, and he calls him granddad and we'll all go, oh, they're going to save it for the Christmas special. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. We'll cry happy tears. Exactly. Right. I'm still waiting for the doctor and, and uh, Bradley Walsh to, to be able to talk as grandfathers do. sit down in the study and talk about their grandchildren (laughs) they're piped yep (laughs) you mean cigars (laughs) that 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 whole cigar concept while incredibly useful obviously seems dangerous yeah i know i was waiting because when he said that i thought um the, the woman I thought was going to be a bit, you know, spiteful and a nice one, and just be like, ha, there's your cigar. Yeah, I'm off like, it goes. You bastard. I thought yeah. that was happening too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I probably would have done it. Oh, I absolutely would have. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could <laughs> While it was in his pants pocket, <laughs> that seems appropriate. <laughs> All right. Well, Michelle, if anyone wants to talk to you about Doctor Who and what we have in store for the 13th Doctor, where can they find you on the interwebs? Twitter is probably the best place. You can find me at mtoven, M-T-O-V-E-N. And there's probably a lot of Star Trek and politics on there too, but occasionally Doctor Who. (laughs) Excellent. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Michelle. Yeah, thank you for having me. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. So into the TARDIS library, um, speaking of dynamic women... We're going to talk about some TV. In this case, we're going to talk about the Sarah Jane Adventures Series 2. Yes, wherein we have a miniature version of the Doctor and all of her companions, if you consider Bradley Walsh as a non-human boy. That's right. Or possibly Mr. Smith. Or possibly Mr. Smith. Oh, then we still need a Luke. That's true. Maybe well, he'll show up at that's some true. point. Yeah, we can hope. We can hope. So the entire series, too, uh, went from 29 September to 8 December 2008, um, which we were looking up to talk about the ages of certain actors and marveling that. Yes. I'm boy, close in age, apparently, to yes, Clyde. The boy, the boy who plays <laughs> Clyde it, during series two was like 21. Hmm. Or 22. I mean, just, you know, the others are sort of tootling along at 16 and 17, and he's, you know, applying for Social Security and (laughs) uh, looking towards retirement. Yeah, and so with the Series 2, Sarah Jane, um, it's kind of easy to talk about because, I mean, I'm sure, (laughs) listeners, you've you've watched it, but in case you haven't, uh, sort of the setup with Sarah Jane, it sort of goes kind of old school classic who set up a in a modern way, whereas it is serialized, but it's only two episodes per serial. So it's two, you know, stories per, per story. So we can talk about one, two, three, four, five. So there's six uh, stories, which means there's 12 episodes um, in the series. So, and they're, they're fairly short episodes. So 25 ends on a nice, you know, uh, cliffhanger, cliffhanger, like the old, 
classic who would and then goes from there so mm-hmm. yeah so we don't and have then to... the second episode always ends with them sitting around the living room laughing <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. oh sarah jane like that yeah i guess we can go in order we don't have to though but anyway so the last Sunterran was the first one this is where we say goodbye to our first series regular yes the yeah. girl who started it all Yes, Maria leaves. The actress actually left so that she could focus on her GCSEs, uh, which are exams for those of you who are not British. Exams that you take when you're 16, when you're getting ready to leave school. So, it's like an SAT kind of? Or? Um, sort of, but one for every subject. Oh, oh, it's like Harry Potter then, where you get your owls and stuff. Okay. You're so weird. Mm. But yeah, I imagine it would probably be closer to a Harry Potter Mm. system because J.K. Rowling. So yeah, so she does make a few appearances and I think will continue to do so. I don't know that for sure. I will spoil you and say I believe she does not. Oh no, I'll be sad. I still think that she grew up and married Prince Harry because I think she looks just like a younger Meghan Markle. Okay. And apparently now bearing the next royal child. That's right, yeah. So there you go, spoilers. So yeah, I thought that was, and we got our first Sonterran, I believe, for Sarah Jane. It's always interesting when the classic Doctor aliens show up. Mm. For the most part, they're sort of unique aliens. Like, I don't, I, don't, I assume it's sometime maybe a Dalek will show up, but that's going to be weird. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I yeah. assume that they just sort of raid the props closet <laughs> for well, Doctor well, Who. Well, it was odd to see someone playing a Sonterran that wasn't the actor who's played it <laughs> yes. in all of New Who. You know, so the same actor every time. And I'm, I'm just going to go through and it's something. To, so the Day of the Clown, that was kind of a trippy one. We get our new, I don't know, what do we call them? They're not companions child <laughs> we get our new child uh ronnie uh, child laborers cause <laughs> they do a lot of the work and the the smith scouts i don't know the smithettes <laughs> the smithettes no no uh-huh. the smith scouts i kind of like that it's like the sailor moon but we also get we have ronnie but we also get bradley walsh bradley walsh playing creepy clown slash ringmaster guy uh so that's fun yeah, and I thought it was interesting, you know, when you have to replace a character, you don't want to go too similar, and I don't think they did. I mean, it's a girl replacing a girl, but, you know, she's different. She's she's, she's a little more, because uh... I, I liked Maria, but Maria always presented a little younger. Yes. Whereas Ronnie is presents a little older. She's taller. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. Which, which may be. Well, yeah. she seems less naive than Maria. Yes, I, th- I would say that that's true. And she. Um, Not that that was a bad thing. I, I like no, Maria. No, no. She's interested in being a journalist, which is how she ends up hooking up with the gang. The Scooby Gang. The Scooby Gang. Um, and her dad's the head. Yes. Record and, scratch. And starts off like quite evil. Right. Uh, which they sort of seem to turn fairly quickly, uh, which is impressive. And she also moved into Maria's house, which is very convenient. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. But, I mean, I, I think I enjoy her as a character. Um, she sort of compliments the crew, so it doesn't really feel like anyone has left. I'm trying to think of character examples where you have a new character representing, and then you have to go about which one you liked better and so yes yeah you have to I guess find the only, it out the thing i can the star trek example of course would be like in voyager you had kess and then you had seven of nine and so ah. uh, but anyway 
So yeah, and so that was the day of the clown, which it was. I'm always. It, I mean, it's not none of them are scary, scary, obviously. Um, but that was a little, you know, a little creepy. Yeah, creepy. A little creepy. That was a little creepy. Secret of the Stars. That one was kind of. I mean, in not that a bad the way. Psychic guy. Well, the astrologer. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, that one was kind of. Oh boy. Yeah. That one was good. Yeah. He was creepy, but yeah. in a. I, I don't know. Appropriate way. Yeah, appropriate. <laughs> we had fun determining which one of us was going to get taken over based on our astrological signs. Yes. Oh <laughs> yeah, figuring out which one of us had to march first. Yeah. I think it was me. Wasn't yeah, it was it. Yeah, yeah. Libra's stayed a lot till the end. Yeah. So. Good on you. Yeah. Good on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the mark of the berserker. This one was uh, interesting. We get Clyde's parents. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, you know. His dad apparently is not the greatest. And became even less so when he got the mark of the berserker. Yes. and But we did get the return of Maria and her dad. I forget his That's name. That's right. But yeah, yeah. So. Mr. Mr. Maria. <laughs> Mr. Jackson, that. I believe. Okay. Yeah. And so that was If that. you're nasty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. I entertain myself if no one else. <laughs> That's true, based on the amount of letters we get. Um, but yeah, I actually think that was, it was a good episode. Just given Clyde's family and your Maria, I mean, that's sort of like your your season, you know, climax or whatever. Yeah. You know, your powerhouse stuff going together, and um, you know, sad ultimately because Clyde's Clyde's father is not a great guy. Um, berserker aside, mm. so but yeah, but Clyde's mother is pretty cool. So yeah, there's that. Give him the option to figure it out, and then. So, yeah, uh, we have the temptation of Sarah Jane Smith. This is where, which I think might be my favorite. Now, I have to admit, I think I fell asleep at the end. So it doesn't even surprise me a little bit. Yeah, but but that's more on me than than the episode. It mostly ends with them sitting in the living room and going, "Oh, that's so <laughs> Sarah Jane," and everyone laughs. I'm well, I'll tell you the part it. I miss. You can now explain it to me in front of everyone. Oh God! So th- near the end. What, what, you know, and things were going crazy because the trickster was being released or whatever in Mm -hmm. 1950, whatever. So what happened to cause the parents to get into the car and leave? They realized, like, they, they had heard one of them talking about they need to get in the car. And so they just decided to do it. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a, a plot point that I wasn't particularly keen on because we never know where they were going mm-hmm. or why they were going or what happens to them when they go. Just you know, drive towards the accident. <laughs> yeah, they just understood that in order to make this go away, they had to get in the car and drive. And so that's what they do. And it, it felt a little twisty because Sarah Jane talks at the beginning, you know, they just left me alone there. But actually what they do is leave the baby with Sarah, Sarah Jane. Jane. And so it's a little twisty. But um, but I enjoyed getting some of that history. Yeah. One interesting part of Sarah Jane Adventures is getting the history of Sarah Jane, which, of course, you know, we, we think, you know, you know, we meet her with the fourth doctor or excuse me, the third doctor. The third doctor and you're like well how much more can we know but no you don't know about her growing up so we've learned about her the death of the friend episode mm, in series series one right, yeah now have this with her parents and so we get a little bit about her pre-doctor life everybody died yeah 
So that's why she was up for adventures. Yeah, because nobody would be her friend. Because if they did, they'd die. Yeah, yeah well, at least kids. Kids these days, indeed. Hello. That's Sarah Jane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get the last one with the Enemy of the Bane, which I thought was very interesting as sort of a series, well, in Britain, series finale in this season mm. finale here <laughs> series finale means something different in american but anyway any of the bane i thought it was a nice flashback because i didn't really think sarah jane would go there of like we're gonna have the villain from the very first pilot episode come back mm. and then also have the sun terror the from first the, episode of yep. this series to team up villain team up yep um and then you get sort of luke kind of delving into his origins you know about what's it mean and so i thought it was really interesting in as much as it was episode so, so what are you thinking overall as we end our second series of Sarah Jane? I enjoy them. They're light. They're easy. Mm-hmm. You know, we get through two episodes in one sitting without any pain, mm-hmm. uh, which I sometimes feel when we're looking at Classic Who. I'm like, oh my God, is this ever going to end? I, th- <laughs> I think the two is a nice combination uh, because you don't get to that place. So many times when we're looking at uh, Classic Who... It feels like at least one of the four or six episodes is filler, mm-hmm. and it starts to drag, and it just feels that way every time. And we don't—I don't get that with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I quite enjoy it. I'm, I'm looking forward to starting season three, yeah. series three. Well, now, do you have other than Sarah Jane, of course? Do you have a favorite kid? I quite liked Maria. Mm-hmm. Heartfelt. I mean, I guess said she was naive earlier, but you know, she's. Once she sees the danger and all that, she you know she's up for it. She's prepared yeah. to. Yeah, but I agree. She seemed much more childlike mm-hmm. than Ronnie does. But then that sort of leaves Luke being the most childlike, and mm-hmm. and that's a strange juxtaposition for him to be in. But well, he's still the naive one, still learning what it means to be a human child and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. He's he's very much like Susan in terms of he knows a lot of things. But, but he's always then tripping all and breaking these... his ankle. Well, oh, wait, no, 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 different, sorry. different. Um, but is also tripped up easily on mm-hmm. you know who to we... trust. And... Well, and and cultural things. Right. You know, when we have that first episode with Susan. Ian and Barbara are talking about how incredibly smart she is, and talking about the fourth dimension in physics class. Uh, but then not knowing really simple cultural things. You know, in many ways, he's the timeless child. Oh, my God. Oh, do you think Luke's going to end up on <laughs> Doctor Who? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be cool, though? It would be interesting. Yeah. yeah I can't say I would disagree with it. It would be an interesting... Yeah, because I mean, as, as, and, and look, I, haven't, I haven't seen all of Sarah Jane, so I don't know how it ends. I mean, abruptly, unfortunately, is going to be the answer. But, you know, those characters never got a whatever goodbye, obviously, because Elizabeth Slayton died suddenly, and so, they, you know, that was it. And so, but yeah, it would be interesting just to bring him back. Yeah. It would. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know necessarily Timeless would fit him. Yeah. Because he's growing up mm-hmm. yeah. if he stayed a child the whole time but that's really hard to film yeah so. children are hard to film children as a general rule never work with children or animals i know that's why the cat doesn't get on the podcast absolutely he, has he would r- oh he'd be impossible he has rubbish opinions anyway <laughs> true that mm-hmm. yeah 
So next week, of course, we'll be talking new Doctor Who season, or excuse me, episode three with Rosa. Yes. Now, this will be interesting. Written by, (coughs) or co-written, I should say, by... Marjorie Blackman. And Chris Chibnall. And so, I believe also directed by Woman of Color. Don't quote me, but I believe so. So, Cool. So, it'll be interesting how the the Doctor and the uh, American South of the 50s... I I think that I'm struggling to picture what it's going to be like in my mind, because I keep going back to Quantum Leap. (laughs) Well, also, I'll be interested to know... Since this is a British show and it's going to do an American story, it's like, oh, they're going to get something wrong. Um, which I'm sure they always feel the same when we tell That's their stories. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. But also, I mean, is this the first time we've seen the Doctor go back to recent history? Uh, man, you guys are making me jog the old memory. I know, um, sorry. Well, I mean, there was the Day of the Moon. I don't know, that was past Rosa Parks. That was more recent than Rosa Parks. The moon landing? Yeah, Yeah, yeah but the, the moon landing Nixon. was almost peripheral. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nixon, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was less peripheral. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, I feel like we're going back for a distinct a whole story. moment. Yeah. A 20th century, a post-war, because we do World War II a lot, obviously, in Britain. Mm. Um, but a post-World War II uh, yeah, story. Or a historical story, not just set in the top. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It'll yeah. be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Can't Good. wait to see what they're going to do with it. Just because, I mean, the, the sort of the popular image of Rosa Parks is not sort of meet the reality that she was an activist. I mean, she wasn't just like, a kind old lady, I'd prefer not to. No, she did that on purpose. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, it was, you know, and she wasn't the first to do yeah. it. Um, so, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Because as you say, the, the Rosa Parks story tends to get romanticized mm-hmm. um, into this, you know, oh, just this poor, hardworking woman, um, which doesn't give Rosa Parks nearly the credit she deserves for what she did. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, part of a group. So anyway, so yeah, we'll be talking with another great uh, special guest to help us figure out this 13th Doctor. And so until then, darling, we encourage everyone to read, watch, and listen to all of the Doctor's adventures in all of time and space. This is BBC Television. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.